This is Daniel Hagerum for Preparing Kids for Life at PK4L.com, and our podcast is for all things parenting. This is actually day 93 of our 365-day journey with you. You know, my wife and I are so passionate about helping parents reclaim their rightful place as the number one expert on their own kids. So our podcast focuses on time-tested principles any parent can learn and apply to give their children a childhood they won't have to recover from and to prepare them for life as the best version of themselves. So we talk about every parent's most basic fears because these have been our fears too. Things like, I don't have what it takes to be a good parent, or I'm not qualified, or I'm going to mess my kids up. You know, as parents, we'll do anything to help our kids. And since our ceiling is our children's floor, we owe it to them to always be learning and growing. For 365 days, you have been invited into our experiment, and we're committed to walking alongside your journey as your personal outfitters, guides, and allies every day, every step of the way. So we're continuing our discussion in Anthony Eastland's book, an incredible book, 10 Ways to Destroy the Imagination of Your Child, and of course, uh, this is very much tongue-in-cheek. Uh, Esalen's sort of using the opposite in order to prove exactly what's going on. Meaning that if you were to set out to destroy the imagination of a child, what are the 10 best ways to do it? And that's what Esalen kind of digs into. And of course, obviously, as parents, as a society, as the author himself, we want to encourage and cultivate and nurture the imagination of our children. So if we're doing something, or if we see society doing something that is gonna produce the opposite effect, we wanna be aware of that so that we can stand against it. Now in this, um, in this chapter, Esalen kind of talks about this idea of method number eight being just level distinctions between man and woman. And of course, it, it doesn't really take a genius to figure out that there are definite differences between men and women. Another great book on this is uh, by Leonard Sachs, who kind of talks about this idea as well. But the thing is, is that, you know, instead of celebrating those differences, instead of enjoying those differences, instead of appreciating those differences, instead of generating, you know, a, a sense of admiration for those things, we, we try to completely dismiss any and all distinctions. And by the way, let me just quickly add, I'm not talking about equality here. All human beings have equality before the eyes of God. But I will suggest to you that all human beings are different. And in particular, men and women think and feel differently. They are not interchangeable cogs that are just sort of some sort of master science experiment that's being conducted by society's social engineers. Men and women have great strengths. They have a, we talked about this in the last podcast, they have a complementary relationship. They are designed to truly bring out the best in one another. But rather than appreciate that, rather than value that, we, we seem to go out of our way to try to negate it. In fact, this is the way Eastland puts it. He says, if, for instance, the imagination is essential to genuine humanity, and it is, and if that imagination is kindled 
by this strangeness and interest of one gender to another than anything we do to blunt a child's humanity will also probably blunt his or her sense of wonder for the opposite sex. And if human nature thrives on friendship on the one hand and solitude on the other, then we can, we can work against both friendship and solitude by gathering children together in enormous herds, say up to a thousand or more in a single building. Kind of sounds like school. Just as individual personalities are washed flat by the tidal passions of a mob, so too individual distinctions, including distinctions of gender, grow less and less visible in a herd. The sheer magnitude of the herd prevents it. Yes, boys will notice that there are such things as girls, and girls will notice that there are such things as boys, but generally that will be lost in anonymity and relative indistinguishability of all the faces. Beyond that, a herd or a mob is indiscriminate. There is no male cohort in the cohort in the mob, no bleachers for old people, no children's wing. If then you want to raise herds that perform exactly the function the state needs them to perform using no initiative whatsoever, you will be wise to pretend from the outset that there are no distinctions of gender, or at least none that matter for anything really important. And I think that that paragraph really sets the tone for the point that Iselin is making. And it's kind of one that, you know, we've made before using the example of, of the Incredibles, right? And where the, the evil villain is saying um, to Mr. Incredible, you know, I'm going to make everyone's a superhero. And when everyone's a superhero, no one will be. You know, it's interesting that the people that suppose, that, that claim to love humanity the most are the ones that do the most to destroy it. You know, rather than appreciate and value our differences, rather than celebrate them, we, we are constantly at every turn being forced to conform to some sort of preconceived mold created by the state, created by society, created by culture. And it's that loss of true individuality that is honestly starting to rip the fabric of our society. You know, when we have a, a healthy, thriving society, it's one that appreciates and values individuals. Now, obviously, those individuals cannot, as it were, pursue happiness that infringes on the happiness of other people, but life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Those, those are basic, inalienable human rights. Right? In other words, we're born with them. No one bestows them upon us. Right? These are rights that we simply have by virtue of the fact that we're human beings. And so it's one of the one of the interesting things that, that happens is that um, and Eastland talks about this this idea that we we sort of um, we stifle the spirits of children. We, we compel them to all do the same thing, which usually means that we choose something so plain of so little interest that nobody really has any particular interest. It, it's sort of the artistic equivalent of a, a doctored ball yard game that boys and girls will play equally well because it's equally dull to both boys and girls. You know, and, and rather than, again, appreciate those differences, 
and, and cultivate them. You know, differences are, are actually amazing. They're, when, when we do it in the right way, when we say, you know, obviously if you're saying, well, you're different and that's bad, well, that's one thing. And we're not, we're not trying to say that, but we're trying to say when we reach a stage where we can appreciate those differences, what a difference that makes. What a difference that makes for the kids. You know, and, and the thing is, is that um, he, he goes on, he says, he's talking about, in short, sometimes it's not a question of embarrassment, you know, like being embarrassed in front of one another. Um, it's rather the possibility of friendship, unencumbered by feelings of attraction or shyness, the possibility of working on the same wavelength, as it were, with someone who understands you because he's a boy as you are or a girl as you are. Committee work stifles the imagination because people have to work down to the common denominator of what would be minimally acceptable to everyone. And you know what's interesting? I noticed this. In 14 years of teaching uh, high school, um, students overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly hated group work. Because number one, Group work didn't actually work like group work. It was one or two people doing all the work and everyone else just kind of went off of that. And they either kind of winged it at the last minute or they didn't even bother to do it at all. And so I, I had um, minimal, minimal group work because, because students just really did not like it. If we did group work, it was, you know, I, I had a a thing where I would have the person pretend to be someone famous. And of course they had to use facts from that person's life. They got to choose the person. And then their partner, all the partner did was read the questions that the other person had created for themselves. So it was one person really doing all the work, but they did kind of interact with someone else. And I did that because my students, again, overwhelmingly hated group work. The, the committee of sameness uh, doesn't really inspire individuality. And one of the things that high school kids do is even in private schools, if they're wearing uniforms, you know what I noticed kids did? They they tried to put their individuality on display with the shoes they selected or the hairstyle they had or the jewelry they wore or the backpack they had on or the belt they had. I mean, it's just funny. It, it, kids, especially you know, at teenage years when they're really trying to find themselves and explore their, their limits and, and who they really are uh, in a way that doesn't happen when they're younger, it's interesting. They really seek out ways to be as individual as possible. They do not like this this sameness. And, and it's funny because that's exactly how they're schooled. They're schooled in an environment that teaches them as though they think the same act the same, learn the same, and all at the same time, at the same pace. It's this unending inundation of sameness that's just crippling to the imagination. And so it's one of the things that I think really needs to to fundamentally change. And again, like Eastland's making the point, if you want to destroy the imagination of a child, this is a great way to do it. He actually raises an interesting idea of educating uh, boys and girls separately. And he, he talks about that. He makes some good points. You're free to agree or disagree. But he does make some interesting points about 
when you're just focused on the task at hand, as it were, meaning learning something, without distraction, without thinking about how you can impress a member of the opposite sex or how a member of the opposite sex might react to you because you've done or said something embarrassing. You know, it's it's different. He says this, he says, if, if you think that, you know, hurting the sexes together won't entirely obliterate the opportunities for friendship, he's like, you're right, uh, that won't. And of course, we, we want to cultivate friendship, not obliterate. But again, Eastland is making using the opposite to make the point. He says, it will, however, severely hinder those friendships, both in their number and their kind, because it will reduce friendship to a surface agreement in temperament. The quote-unquote friend is just somebody I can have a laugh or two with and maybe play a game with, but not much more. It will also provide all kinds of opportunity, ensuring that such friendships as they do develop never really go far. For whenever boys and girls are together, the most prominent things in their minds will not be the distinction between essence and existence. It will be who is eyeing whom, who is attending whose party, and so forth. It will be those things about males and females, those things that males and females do together rather than those things that they more easily do apart. And again, you know, friendship requires an appreciation for the differences. You know, as the years have gone on, the better uh, and more deeply I've, I've grown to know my wife, the more appreciation I have for our differences the more appreciation I have for her strengths because her strengths complement mine. They also compensate for some of my weaknesses and vice versa. And, and the, the more we've been together and we've been married for 20 years, the more I grow in gratitude for exactly the woman that my wife is. You know, it's kind of why I always make the joke, if my wife ever leaves me, I'm going with her. I mean, because <laughs> she's... Not as not only is she amazing, but but I just I'm able to grow in appreciation for that amazingness as the years go by. Because I'm able to appreciate and value those differences that we have between us. And actually it forms a, a complementary bond between us. You know, and one of the one of the things that I think happens in this is that we we do a great deal of damage when we treat boys and girls as though they're exactly the same. And again, I'm not speaking of equality. It should go without saying that boys and girls have the same value in the eyes of God. What we're talking about though is differences. The same way that a book is different from a microphone or a light is different than a wall. I mean, we're talking about different things. There are different things. Everything isn't just sameness. But he says, it's interesting. He says, um, I will not bother to argue here that there are such things as manliness and womanliness. The customs of all cultures testify to them as do all the artists and musicians and poets. That's not the point. The trouble with believing in these things 
is that they are beautiful and bracing. They give a young person a recognizable ideal for which to strive and to grow into. And this is the most important. It is not an ideal, or I should say it is an ideal not of their own devising. When the Jewish boy had learned to read the words of the Holy Torah and uttered them in the synagogue before his family and his community, he did not say, this day I've become a grown-up. Growing up is what we do naturally. The weed grows. He did not say, this day I have become an adult. All that means is he is physically mature and perhaps morally responsible. He said, this day I have become a man. And if you do not understand the danger of giving boys the notion that they must become men, then you know nothing about either boys or men, and probably you know very little about girls and women too. You know, this is this is so essential because it's really about giving them an ideal to grow up into. It, it's giving them something to aspire to. And the sad part is because... Critics might say, wow, that's harmful. And you know what? They have a point. Because we look around and who do we really have to look up to? Who, who do we, if you're, if you're a young man, who do you have to look up to? I mean, hopefully your father. But many young men grow up without a father. Or if they do have a father, it's a father who's not engaged. So if you're a young boy growing up, who do you? Who do you look up to? as an image of true manliness. Not macho-ness, manliness. If you're a young girl, who do you look up to as, a, as an ideal of womanliness? You know, the, these are important questions to ask because you know, a lot of times, you know, critics, I think, fairly point out, well, we have to kind of find our own way because we don't have, and you know what? They're right. A lot of times, a lot of young men and women, far too many, young men and women are unfinished. They're unfinished because their parents did not engage or they weren't even there. Um, it, it's, a sad, it's a sad, sad tragedy within our society and we need to do something to fix it. And part of that, part of that is growing to appreciate the differences between men and women and celebrating them and valuing them and honoring them. You know, men and women could do with a lot more honor towards one another. Things can get a lot better just by virtue of the fact of having a greater sense of mutual appreciation for all the wonder, beauty, and strength that are in men and women. Well, listen, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, I know there are literally hundreds and thousands of podcasts out there. You chose to give your time to us. We're grateful for that. Definitely check out our website, pk4l.com, for more resources. And please click on the link in the show description to download your free ebook, Building an Emotionally Safe Home, as our gift to you. Remember, we're with you every day, every step of the way. Until tomorrow, have a great day. Oh, 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 oh,